I'm comedian Timmy Boyle, and this is the greatest live Instagram comedy experience that nobody knew about. March of 2020, I just arrived home from tour when COVID-19 shut down the world. So despite being severely technically challenged, I started a daily live Instagram show right here from my living room. Because how hard could it be? And how long could a pandemic last? Apparently longer than five months. So now, a hundred episodes later, I've called comedians as diverse in experience as they are in style from all around the world to discuss comedy, life, and, well, whatever. I had no goals, which was a great idea. I avoided tech checks, which was a bad idea. And I eventually wore no pants. The jury's still out on that one. And my OJ, over 150 days, transformed from refreshing drink to rancid mystery liquid right before our eyes. It was a random, free-flowing, hilariously messy ride into the minds and backstage lives of entertainers where anything could happen, and did, including a trip to a goat farm. Overcoming a lack of direction, resources, and tech ineptness, as well as multiple zombie cyber attacks, a project not expected to last even a week soon developed into a must-watch show like no other. But don't take my word for it. See for yourself, right here, on another episode of Calling Comedians in Quarantine. Is that it? Did we get it all? Awesome. Oh, Crystal's Punny is in the house. Jenny Cox Photography is in the house. Welcome back to both of you. Day 40,000, IMA589. Thank you so much for tuning in tonight. Hello to you. Uh, you are all coming into my living room and you will experience something amazing, no doubt, uh, here on, uh, on Calling Comedians in Quarantine. Oh, this orange juice is uh, this orange juice is getting a little bit sour. John Branion is in the house right now, so hopefully we don't have any uh, technical problems getting him on the show here in a few minutes. But thank you for those that are tuning in right now here on uh, episode thirty nine of Calling Comedians in Quarantine. The Cox family says hey. Timmy, ba Timmy Boyle says, hey, right back to the Cox family. Thank you so much for the greeting. Uh, those of you who are coming in now just know that uh, my name is Timmy Boyle and you are watching Calling Comedians in Quarantine. Um, I haven't cut my hair in the last uh, 39, well, I guess I've been in quarantine for um, a few more days beyond this, so it's been almost 40 days. Um, this sweater hasn't been washed. I'm not wearing pants. I haven't worn pants on these shows except for a couple times where we had female guests, you know, because that's, you know, it's just the right thing to do. But in general, I'm not wearing pants. I'm hanging out in my living room, and I decided that I would do this show, and who knew that uh, we would still be stuck in our living rooms 39 days later? Well, I actually think it's going to be another 400 days, but... So buckle up, everybody. I also haven't really changed my orange juice. I keep sipping a little bit every night and uh, pretty sure it's completely fermented by now. So by the end of the show, I get a little bit, uh, 
a little bit wonky. We've seen some amazing things on the show. I want to welcome you here. Uh, technology sometimes collapses, but toilet paper doesn't. Last night was episode 38 with Michael Connell all the way from Australia. And now we move on to episode 39. And for the record, I did learn to write backwards just for this. So once again, the toilet paper does not fail us. There we go. All right. Uh, thanks for those who are tuning in. We are going to get right into the show here, here on Calling Comedians Into Quarantine. Our special guest tonight is John Branion. Let's see where John is. Tonight. It works here. John Branion. Da, 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 da. John Branion. John Branion. John Branion. I can't believe I'm here. I can't believe you're here. I can't believe I'm here because I had no idea how to do this. You sent me a, a cryptic message a few weeks or a few days ago, actually, in that weird Canadian dialect that you have. Mm -hmm. And I was able to interpret it. I understood what I thought you were trying to say. Um, I thought that you wanted me to come on some kind of show that was that featured the misspelling of the word quarantine. Mm, not sure it's a misspelling, John. I think it's just a silent C. A silent C. I love silent letters. Uh, so, so here we are. And the miracle, the miracle is that I was able to get uh, to get on to because I'm an Instagram noob, like I told you. I honestly had no idea. You said you were going to send me an invitation. I didn't know if it was going to arrive by carrier pigeon, if it was going to be a helium balloon. Uh, Skywriting. I didn't know how I was going to get here. Okay, so you didn't get the carrier pigeon. That concerns me because he was—he's been gone for a couple days now. We got him. He was delicious. Oh, good. All right. I always like to make sure that he doesn't get wasted. Yeah. We have—we have others. Uh, speaking of wasted, uh, I've been sipping this orange juice for uh, thirty-nine episodes, and it's a little fermented, so this I, might go a little bit haywire. Yeah, I saw that. I. Uh, I, I tuned. I actually tuned in uh, for yesterday's show. Um, oh, nice! You saw Michael Connell from Australia. Yeah, I did. Now um, he, uh, we had to go through the whole because the toilet spin the other way. Um, I'm not sure if we have that problem with where where you live. Like, like, are you that different from Canada? Am I that different? How? Like, does your toilet spin differently? Do things like, are you upside down? Like, where are you? I don't even know where you um, are right now, John. You know, that's an interesting question. I live in Indiana and I don't know that I have ever flushed a Canadian toilet that I can. If I have, it wasn't a monumental enough experience that I made note of the direction. And that's not an insult. I just didn't think to to look. Well, no, I mean, I mean, quite frankly, last night, it wasn't until last night that I actually noticed that my toilet didn't spin. I mean, I've, I've been in Canada for like a really long time and I never once looked at it. So maybe we should all take some time especially during quarantine, to just focus on those things that we, we tend to miss. Is there any reason we can't do that right now? No, not at all. No, I, I would love to see what happens with your toilet. Yeah, all right. Where, what's, what, what town are, gotta, we, are we, I just are we in right now? Hmm? Where, 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 what town are we in? Where are you based? We are in Kokomo, Kokomo. Indiana. Yeah. Like what the Beach Boys sang about? Down in Kokomo. Yes. Yes, it was uh, Aruba, Jamaica, and Kokomo, Indiana. 
were the three places that the Beach Boys saw as being synonymous and sort of equal with each other. Nice. Well, I plan on having a vacation home there, so we'll be neighbors soon. All right. So let me turn this camera around. I think that'll do it. Yep. All right. And there's the toilet. Okay. Okay. So yours did a, um, a depending, is it, was it, it was a clockwise. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, Kokomo, right. Indiana. So folks, uh, this show isn't just about comedy and life. It is, it is about learning in general. We now yeah, know that a, in Kokomo, the, the toilet goes count or goes clockwise. Mine right. just went straight down. It actually didn't have much of a swirl at all. I was very disappointed. Mm, I would, uh, I'd call the city about that. Mm, I can't call the city. I live in a little tiny village, and they and they literally have, I think, one employee. It's the mayor, the garbage man, everything. And I don't. Are you sure, Timmy, that it actually went straight down? Are you sure that it didn't spin? Um, mm. And you were just. Uh, not able to see it because of the effects of the tainted orange juice that you've been consuming. Mm. That could be true. Like, um, like as of right now, there. Like, who are the other two people with you right now? The other, yeah. <laughs> right? It's my, so, it's my twin brother. And very uh, well. yeah, might very well be this. Uh, so, so John, I want to talk to you about a couple things here. I'm really interested in um, your uh, on your website. You, your desire is to hurt people. That's fascinating to me. Um, like kneecapping them. What uh, do you want to describe? Explain that a little more. I'm from. I have an Irish descent, so we like to kneecap. It's just part of our fun. But um, what do you mean by that? Well, before I, I before I answer that very important question, yeah. I uh, I do want to acknowledge uh, Crystal down here in the in the uh, comments, who's totally jealous that I live in Kokomo because she loves the Elwood Haynes Museum. Uh, Crystal, you're the only person who has ever said that. I'm jealous of you for living in Kokomo, Indiana. So, what, so, so is, El, El, is, is the Elwood Haynes? Is she right though? Is that actually there? Well, of course it is. Do you think you think she would make something like that up? Yeah, Crystal Punny has been on this show for a very long time, and from the very beginning, and she, I think, she lies in every episode at least once. Do you, but has she ever been jealous of another guest before for where they live? No, just, no, she. I want to make sure she doesn't say that to everybody. She has not. Ne- no, she has never said that. But she has. When we were with Joby Sad, he took us on a tour of downtown Nashville, and she was very quick to point out um, some very good informational facts about different places there. So she knew Nashville very well. So she gets around. She does. She went on a big trip uh, a little while ago. She's actually um, one of our uh, on Team Timmy. That's actually that's an actual thing. She's uh, she's a huge support up here on our circuit tours. Um, so yeah, so she she travels around. She's super super cool. You you should get a chance to meet. Maybe you guys should set up like an Elwood museum trip or something. Well, we uh, I didn't even know that such a thing would even be of interest to any other human beings. But now mm-hmm. uh, because of your because of this show, yeah, I uh, I have a have another goal. I have another possible avenue for income. Um, Because the Elwood Museum is closed right now, but. Oh, yeah. Well, I'm glad we could do that, John, because literally on this show, I only have one goal, and that's to have no goals. So so I've already superseded that. If that's, if you've, if your life's been improved, um, then that's awesome. Yeah, we've, we have, uh, 
we have achieved. Actually, we haven't. We've missed a goal. If the goal is to have no goals oh, and we achieve a goal. I'm sorry, but you failed. You failed twice, actually, because you yeah. not only not only did we acknowledge the Elwood Haynes Museum and make that connection, but we also figured out which direction the toilet flush is here. That's two things that we have accomplished while we're trying to accomplish nothing. You're causing you're causing me um, a great deal of uh, internal strain. Uh, have another sip of orange juice. Don't mind if I do. I'll wait. That it's going to be a. That should yeah. carry me for a while. That should do it. It's going to be a short episode. Hey, um, uh, I don't even remember what we were talking about before. Uh, <laughs> but we we're talking about me. Yeah. You're you're incredibly famous. Um, I don't know if you consider yourself famous, but we're all famous for something. Sometimes, you know, um, you're, you're famous for drinking orange juice, which, which I'm known for. But you apparently did something with pigs that um, is like every time I talk to people and they mention John Branion, they say, oh, you got to see the thing with the pigs. But they never describe what it is. It's always the thing with the pigs. Now... Now, is that something you're proud to be connected with? Or is that something that, you know, that uh, you're kind of going, would you stop bringing up the pigs? Uh, well, I, I'm, I, I, I'm not wanting people to stop bringing up the pigs um, okay. because it's a thing that I am very grateful to have in my repertoire. But I will tell you that I did not expect it to be a thing that was going to be in my repertoire. I had no idea that it was going to become the sensation that it has become. It has taken on a life of its own. And uh, the behind the scenes story of the three little pigs, which uh, many people have have chalked up as just, people talk to me, they write to me, and this is the greatest piece of comedy. It's brilliant, it's brilliant. I will take no credit for understanding the uh, the brilliance of that bit because I when I wrote it thought that it was not going to work I would have sworn to you that it wouldn't work let's take one step back so that people know here uh, it's the three little pigs but it's not the normal three little pigs it right. is done in Shakespeare correct right Shakespearean esque language okay so you wrote you wrote this thing you were just kind of trying to create a bit yes i was horsing around with uh the idea of the inspiration for the story again since it's just us talking while yeah. you slowly get drunk on bad orange juice i i've been pretty much drunk on orange juice for four before days you now. Pass, right before you pass out i will tell you that the uh the idea came when I was reading a copy of Dracula, of Bram Stoker's original Dracula. And there was a scene in that book where a lady comes into the room and the men are sitting around talking about vampires or something. And this lady comes into the room and the men all basically say hello to her. But it takes, because of the language that it's written in, the English, the robust English language, it takes like four paragraphs to basically say, how do you do, ma'am? And I was right. reading that and I thought, man, I am not smart enough to be alive back 
in these times, you know, because just communicating basic salutations back then <laughs> required this this PhD in the English language. You had to you had to have a vocabulary that was beyond what I have now. And that was the premise. And I thought, what would it be like to be alive back then? And then it just it I was playing around with the idea of children's books. I thought, well, what would a children's book be like? I'll bet I wouldn't be smart enough to read a children's book. And then I thought of the the three little pigs and Jack and the Beanstalk and all of those stories. And the three little pigs was the one I picked. And I just rewrote it uh, line for line using what sounded to me like 16th century English. Mm -hmm. That was it. And the first time I did it, I was at a church. I will never forget. It was a church in southern Indiana where the toilets can spin the same direction as they do here. Oh, wow. Okay. So you guys are like sister cities. Right, because I checked. I've, I checked. And I was up on, uh, up on the stage, and I had written in my set list. It's like, okay, I'm going to do this, the first line from those three little pigs. It was brand new. I'd never done it on stage. I'm going to do the first line. They are going to stare at me like I just fell from space, and then I'm going to go on. I'll go on to something that will actually work, and I'll forget that this ever happened, but I will at least have tried it. you got to do that when you're doing stand-up. You know right. what I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah, you got to try new things. All of your bits are new at, yep. at once. They're all, all of your, all your bits are new once. And so I'm like, I'll just do this once and then I'll be able to scratch it out of the notebook and say, yeah, I didn't think it was going to work. But I, I said the first line and there was just this ovation. It was, I, I didn't know what to do because I wasn't really prepared to do the whole thing. I didn't, I didn't know it very well because I didn't think it was going to work. So I did the first line and there was an applause break and they were they were standing up applauding. And I went, uh, I went, really? I said, I kind of know the rest of it. Do you want to hear it? And they were like, yeah. And so I stumbled through it and I forgot a bunch of it. And it was and that was how it started. So and then you you, you got it put online and the thing list like blew up. Well, it, it took off because Tim Hawkins put it online. And Tim Hawkins has a has a big enough fan base that it got started. Um, I put it online and nobody noticed, but he put it online and then it kind of took off. Well, just so you know, there are five people currently watching this. So if you want to do anything special, um, it's about to take off here. So whatever you want to drop, this is the time to do it. Everybody starts with meager beginnings. Um, the. Uh, so now then after all that happened you didn't you didn't know that it was going to work now this is this is i find this fascinating with comedy because mm -hmm. i get jacked up by the fact that something could fail that that's what excites me about comedy i enjoy <laughs> the fact that this might not go right right um, and so so you do i i have no problems i don't fear silence i don't fear trying new things i'll throw stuff out constantly um now do you now though do that bit because people ask for it or do you do it because you 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 grown to love it like like what happens with that like sometimes i'll do a bit and i'll be like i don't even i don't even know if i like that bit but you know then someone say tell that story um you're like, okay right. like do you love it now even though you didn't know at the time well i have yes i i love it but not the same way that I loved it when it was like you're describing when it was brand new and oh my gosh, I can't believe this works. And right. it's really fun. To, it's fun to do new material when it works, right? That yeah. becomes people ask, what's your favorite bit? And uh, the only the, the true answer to that 
And when I'm talking to non-comics, they think I'm just being a smart mouth, but I'm really not. The, tr- the true answer is that my, my most recent bit that's working is my favorite bit. Um, because it's new and it's, and I'm, you know, and it's working and I'm still trying to figure it out. And so the three little pigs is not new anymore. I, I can do it backward. I can do it in my sleep. Um, and so I don't have the same affection for it that I did when it was new, but I know that it makes people happy. And when I start into it now, even doing a live show, um, people, I can see people, they're like nudging each other. uh, And some of them are mouthing the words with me. And so it's just, it's, that's surreal to me um, that, that I'm doing, that I'm a comic who's doing covers, you know, for my material and people are uh, doing it, but yeah. I, I I still do it because it makes people happy. I think um, there's a I think there's a misconception. I don't know which side of the fence you sit on in this, but I, I had often heard um, when I first started doing stand up the concept of okay, musicians can play the same song over and over and over again because everybody's like play the classics. They don't want to hear the Rolling Stones write a new song. They want to hear something from from the seventies or whatever. Right. Right. Um, where where comics always like you know the stress was always like. You got to write new stuff all the time. But I've right. actually discovered, um, and I don't know if, if you have the same thing. Well, you probably have with the Three Little Pigs. Is, is I've done shows and people have come up to me and said, you didn't do that bit. That's why I brought my friend, because I wanted them to see that bit. And I've actually come to realize that, you know, you can go in and in a lot of times do the same material um, I think with, with a big, with a, a gap, you know, well, I think once you go to a year gap, this is, this is what I think, John, is that you, if you wait a year and you go back in the same building and say you do 45% new, you're going to get these people that remembered one or two jokes that they tried to tell at the Thanksgiving table and occasional dinner tables along the way. The rest of it, they don't remember. They just remember they had a good time. And, um, so I find that that those jokes, like I've got jokes that I've been telling. I, my very first seven minute set, I still tell a joke that was in that very first seven minute set because I still enjoy right. the joke. Right. And there's still people that want to hear it. I find the hardest thing isn't trying to impress the audience with new bits because I think they're okay with hearing it if it's a good bit. They want to hear it again. The hardest part for me is finding that passion to deliver it in the same way but I don't have any problems repeating the same bit because I think there's crowds out there that are like, that's why I came again. Cause I want to see you do that bit. Right. But it's the passion. How do you, how do you, how do you get yourself up to tell the three little pigs? Cause I think that's the, audience, the hardest part. Well, the audience has a lot to do with it. Um, there's a, uh, the, the struggle for trying to do comedy uh, online, for example, is there's no feedback mm. from from the audience. And so all of the passion uh, has to come from in here. It has to, it has to come from the, the, the sense that comedians have that, okay, what I'm doing is funny and people are going to get this and people are going to be laughing, but there's no way to know for sure that that's what's happening because we can't hear them. Yeah. Um, and so the passion is, uh, is self-generated, but when you're doing a live show, which uh, at this moment in, uh, history. I'm never expecting to do another one of those again, as long as I live. I think the live show is something that we, you know, it's going to be a thing that we talk about um, historically. 
That's just, we'll, we'll tell our great grandchildren that at one time we used to gather as human beings together in closer proximity than, than six feet to one another and in bigger groups than 10. And our great grandchildren, bless their hearts, will have no idea that we're oh, telling the that's truth. That's craziness, John. That's pure yeah, craziness. they'll say, that's what they'll say. They'll say, great granddad has lost his mind, hasn't he? Um, but there is a, there used to be an energy that would happen. The, the audience, every audience, has a personality just like every individual has a personality and so if you are fortunate enough to be in an audience that has a personality that is tuned towards comedy it's a whole different experience than if you are in an audience that is more cynical more subdued more uh less tuned to comedy and so you get you you know what I'm talking about. You get up on stage, and there are some nights when you cannot miss. There's some nights when it's just electric, and then there's other nights when you're doing the same material and you are essentially the same person, but it's not working the same way as it did before. And when people say to yeah. me, "Don't you get bored?" I don't. How do I get bored? You know, like like that very principle. Like when we do like our circuit tours up here, and we're doing like nine days in a row. It's like I like yeah. that same principle. You take the same material night after night after night. And that's why I love back-to-back -back nights because you can take that same material and you go from the extremes. You, you can go standing ovation to crickets and you're like, oh wow, like, like that ride to me is, is exhilarating. But, you're, but yeah, there's sometimes you're just like, I don't understand, it's, it's me, I delivered it the same way um, and I don't, I don't know, but, uh, but right. that's exciting. Right, well, and that's, that's the difference between doing it, uh, you know, doing it professionally and doing it uh, not professionally and, and not doing it at all. The people who, and I understand this, people will say, I could never do what you do. And I usually respond, I am sure that's true because you, this is, this is mostly an endurance test. Um, it, it's getting up uh, night after night and failing and failing and failing and failing and failing and, failing and then, oh, that one worked. And then fail and fail and fail and fail. Oh, there's another one that worked. And so now I've got two that work. I've got 10 that stink, but I've got two that work. And I'm going to put those in the set. And then eventually those two become four, become six. And before long, you've got 10 minutes. And then you've got 20. And then uh, and then you've got an hour. And that's it. And you just, and, but, but it's not a, it's not the same exhilaration every time you do it. Because, because you're a pro now. And so you get up and you do your set. And even if the audience isn't with you, um, that's not why you're there. You know, you're there to deliver a, uh, you're there to deliver a material. And the people who get it, the people who are on your frequency and go along with you, that's, that's great. The people that don't like it, um, it doesn't mean that you're, doesn't mean that I'm a failure. Doesn't mean that I'm not funny. They don't know that they will they will go and write reviews and say the guy wasn't funny and it's like well you don't think that i was funny there's a difference between you not thinking that i'm funny and me genuinely not being funny it's all subjective it's like music some people like country some people like rock and roll and it's not it's not correct for the country people to go and say that rock and roll music's not even music it's a bunch of crap it's like no it's just not your particular cup of tea um but, but it that is, doesn't mean it's but, bad. It is, but it is correct for us to say uh, country music is horrible. That that is that is a correct statement. Yes, that's the only that's the only correct take on that. Yeah.
Um, I, uh, I, no, I, I think what you're saying, I know for sure, based on um, some people that are watching right now, that there are some um, up and coming comics. We have a mentoring team up here, and I know there's some others here who are in the room right now that are working their way through comedy. Um, I do want to just point out uh, Ben Valois, Ben Valois. I don't know. It sounds very French. Um, he made a comment on here, though, that said, uh, I can't believe I've missed the first 20 minutes of this. I can't tell if he's being sarcastic. He might have tuned in and went, um, this is horrible. I can't believe I missed the first 20 minutes of this. Um, but who knows? But do you know that guy? Because I don't know him. <laughs> That's what I always assume. I always assume people are being sarcastic. <laughs> so the uh, but my, what I was going to say was that um, I, what I what what I try to impart to people is. Our goal as comics um, isn't to make everybody laugh. In fact, that's an impossible task. I think uh, you, this endurance race that you're talking about, you're going to leave really quickly if, if you know, the first time you hit a room, if you think you're going to make everybody laugh, the first time you hit that room and half the room doesn't, I mean, you're going to get out of this game. It could be a, you know, a soul-wretching a soul experience. And now right. I realize that it's like, no, you know, like you said, you know, our, our goal is not to make everybody laugh. Our goal is to provide the opportunity for people to laugh. Whether they take that opportunity um, uh, by choice or, or due to circumstance or due to their personal preference of comedy, our, our, our thing is to go out there, present it as professionally and as passionately as we can, and then give that opportunity. And those that laugh, laugh. And, and if I feel that I've at least done my job um, then I'm, I'm quite satisfied regardless of the audience reaction. Right. And that well, really allows me to keep going. I, uh, I just finished a book. Uh, it's on Amazon and it's called, uh, life is hardy, hard, hard. And the whole, the whole premise of that book is how comedy can be used to make your life better. And I wrote it not to comedians necessarily. Um, comedians can read it. But it's written to people who are not who are not bent towards being stand up comedians, but uh, they have miserable uh, lives. And the reason they have miserable lives is because their sense of humor is anemic. And when your sense of humor is uh, broken, then everything else in your life is broken. And so the perspective that I try to give is that comedy um, is connected to tragedy comedy is connected to suffering and so when we get up on stage and things aren't going the way they're supposed to be going that's almost always when things are the funniest that's always when some of uh, the best material that comedians talk about is always 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 the disasters in their lives it's always the the trouble in relationships it's the trouble with their health it's their struggle with obesity it's their struggle with anorexia it's uh it's their jobs it's all of the stuff that causes people pain that is where the funniest stuff is hmm. what um okay i like your your uh, uh your analogy i think it's an analogy to anemia um what would be John Branion's uh, comedy diet? What 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 do you enjoy watching that allows you to be um, uh, to have your sense of humor? But like for me, sitting down to watch um, you know anything by my Monty Python, you know, invigorates me, um, gives me that boost. 
what what is it that allows you that gives you that joy and that laughter oh i have become a very easy laugher um i don't have it's hard to narrow it down to a uh to a source or even several sources what i like the the thing that has developed my my sense of humor probably the best has not necessarily been um comedy but it's been the realization that that my own personal uh flaws the things that are you know my my eyesight is bad i've been wearing bifocal since i was uh three years old i've been wearing bifocal so you try to imagine a three-year-old kid you know with bifocals now on on one on one hand there are going to be the sympathetic mother types who are going to go don't you dare make fun of that little boy don't you dare laugh at that little boy in those glasses but i'm telling you what a three-year-old kid with gigantic bifocal glasses mm-hmm. is hysterical you know you look ridiculous um i've always had i've always had ears that poked out from the side of my head i sort of grew into them by the time i got to high school but when i was a kid i had these gigantic little gigantic ears sticking out of the side of my head like like satellite dishes mm. Those things, um, I was told from a very early age, people would say, gosh, those glasses are something, uh, you know, the ears are something. So people would tell me that I was different. People would tell me that there was things about me that were not uh, the way other people's things were. And you can either go two directions with that. You can either internalize that and let it hurt your feelings, or you can go, yeah, I guess it is kind of goofy looking, isn't it? I guess, I guess it does kind of make your, kind of make your face look goofy. Um, and whichever direction you go, it's going to determine whether you become a comedian or whether you become more of a of a brooding accountant. No, nothing, nothing against accountants, but no, I'm just saying that when, that when you take your, yeah, you know, definitely not against the brooding ones. Um, no, Ben Ben Le, Ben Valoy here wants to know if we'll answer any questions. You have a couple minutes to answer a couple questions if Ben or anybody has that. Uh, inclination john you okay for a couple minutes here yeah so that was our first question right Um, our first question was would you guys answer any questions questions. yes we'll answer a couple questions mary jane baker says does your twin also have wear bifocals i don't know you have to ask timmy boyle yeah yeah i can't see my twin we kind of look we kind of look the same a little if i sat down like this you think? Yeah, we have the same hairline. Yeah. 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 Huh. I don't wear bifocals. I wore glasses for like three years because I couldn't see the baseball coming off the bat in twilight. And um, and then I wore them because I didn't want to keep taking them off all the time. So then I eventually took them off because I'm like, this is ridiculous. So then I got rid of them and everybody thought I was healed. So I just told people that I'm healed now. Um, okay. Wait a minute. You can do that. You can just decide. I don't want to wear these glasses anymore and throw them away and everything's cool. They only solved one brief little problem. And I just, I was too good of a ball player to worry about it anymore. So I was like, forget (laughs) this. And so I got rid of them completely. And now, now I don't even wear them. So, uh, anyways, we are, uh, Ben, here is your chance to ask a question. We have a few minutes left here. Uh, for those that are tuning in, my name's Timmy Boyle up on top. That's, uh, um that's who we're just not Brandon. Boy. that's john yep. Brandon on the bottom um unless your phone's upside down but uh this is your opportunity here on calling comedians in quarantine 
Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, you're not an Instagram noob, John. That is that is some high-tech fancy stuff right there. Um, so here we go. Ben, ben asks, do many people think you sound like Jeff Goldblum? Out Goldblum, of all the yes, they do. Out of all the questions he had, he could have asked, that's that's the question in his limited time. Man, that's that's bold. That is a question that I would have uh, a couple of years ago. I would have said, "What in the world are you talking about?" But I get that all the time now. Really? So apparently, yes, I sound like Jeff Goldblum. Yeah, I never, I never heard that the entire time. Um, wow. What do you do? You say something in particular that makes people do that, or they just come up to you? I don't. Like, I don't hear it. I don't. I don't hear it. In fact, I've I've fought with people. We've gone out in the parking lot after church shows with chains and bottles and fought about it. I've, yeah. you know, brass knuckled. I've had to brass knuckle deacons and pastors yeah. um, over this. And apparently, apparently, I sound like Jeff Goldblum. I've, um, I've taken down some pastors in my life as well. Crystal's Punny says, who is your comedic inspiration? Um, I have, I, I have many, I have many influences. Uh, the, the inspiration to actually do comedy, uh, was, um, I think fostered in me when I was a little bitty kid. I used to want I used to go and read joke books at the library. I get joke books at the library, like in first grade, and uh, and read them. And then I uh -oh. we're losing your we're losing your signal a little bit. We're losing your signal yeah, a little bit there. You what? We're losing your signal a little bit. Uh -oh. Seems like. Are you, are you still there? Yeah, I'm here. Did you lose me or did I lose you? I don't know. Can you hear me now? I can. I can hear okay. you. Okay, cool. We're good then. Um, we, we did lose the last part of what you said, though. Uh, and so everybody died in a fire. No, that's not true. I would tell I would go to my uh, to my grandmother and my aunt, and they would laugh, and uh, and I just it, it's magical for me. So I've always always wanted to make people laugh. Nice. Um, we got uh, so Jeff Goldblum um, in <laughs> Jurassic Park uh -huh. says. Uh, says now eventually you do plan to have dinosaurs on your dinosaur tour right can you can you just can you say that um so everybody can hear you hear jeff goldblum say that line <laughs> is somebody uh, requesting that or is that you that's just me just uh well no ben says say something that jeff goldblum said so um, okay so just so okay you know, yeah. So basically, you do plan to have dinosaurs on your dinosaur tour, right? Okay, here we go. John Branion as Jeff Goldblum. Now, uh, eventually, you do plan to have dinosaurs on your dinosaur tour, right? Bam! Nailed it! That was beautiful. <laughs> here we go. Uh, that's not me. 
Congratulations. That is, I still don't hear it, but uh, I've been told I've been told often enough that I'm not uh, I'm not going to do comment anymore. Well, I think you should continue to do do comedy. John, that's uh, that's the bell. So we're going to have to get wrapping up here. We know everybody's busy on uh, in quarantine. Um, I know. I want to uh, I want to thank you so much for joining us here on the show tonight on episode thirty nine. It was an absolute pleasure. Um, Maybe one day we'll get you up here to Canada and maybe one day I'll get my vacation home down in Kokomo and we'll be able to do something together. Oh, looks like Kokomo shuts off their wife. I think Kokomo shuts off their Wi-Fi around now. <laughs> well, the, uh, the Amish guy on the bicycle, he gets off at eight o'clock and so he's probably wrapping it up and going home. Yeah, he's, he shouldn't even be out, actually. He could get arrested for being outside. And like, well, I guess Wi-Fi is an, an, an essential service. So It's an essential service, and Amish people uh, can't get the virus. That's what I heard, yeah. That's what I heard. Actually, I have a, um, uh, what do you call those suits, a hazmat suit? Um, uh -huh. that, uh, a fan, a fan of, the, uh, of our tour had, had sent me. Um, and when I wear it, like I, I'm like invincible now. Like I, I'm gonna, I got a picture on my Instagram of uh, me standing in the street. I'm, I can, I'm jumping off of banners. Like now, I'm like nothing can harm right. me. No virus, right. you know. So I guess uh, the Amish do they? I guess they would have to make their own hazmat suit. I don't think they can buy hazmat suits from other people. Like they have to make it right. Their they, own. they they make their own, and they're buttons instead of zippers, and they're all black. Yeah, I think the virus can get through buttons, though. Uh, that might be a flaw in their design. Uh, I don't know. Oh, we're losing, we're losing the signal. This looks like it's about time to wrap this show up. John, for some reason, the signal is dropping. Yeah. We're, lo we're losing you, John. Something's happening. You're, you're either the, the Amish guy truly has left, left his post or there's an alien invasion. Um, something, though, is happening in Kokomo right now. And uh, we're on live TV. TV. There we go. Oh, there we go. Yeah. We're, we can see you. We can see you, but we're losing you. So All right. let's, uh, let's log off now before we lose you completely. John, uh, stay well and keep in touch, though. Thank you so much for joining us tonight. See you, Timmy. Thanks. Hey, everybody. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Calling Comedians Into Quarantine. Please take a moment to like, share, subscribe, and ring the little bell so you and your friends don't miss any of the laughs. Episodes will be uploaded here at Timmy's Shorts daily until I run out. And be sure to check out the description below for links to connect with myself or my guests on social media, support us by buying merchandise, and also download the podcast version of this show. Until next time, remember, your brain, it's for thinking, not for eating. So just say no to zombies. My name's Timmy Boyle.